0: Well God bless you. Turn to two passages of scripture, Numbers 13 and Joshua 1. Numbers 13 and Joshua chapter 1. As you're turning there, let me just kind of tell you where we've been and what we're doing for our first time guests. If in fact, if you're a first time or it's been a long time since you've been here, I'm Pastor Sam Walker. Good to have you today. <clears throat> in fact, if you're a first time guest, there's a card in the <laughs> should be a card somebody wave a card that's in the back of the seat a guest card if you'll fill that out and uh and just uh maybe drop it off at the info booth that'd be great we'd love to have if you're a first-time guest fill it out drop it in the offering and if it's been a long time since you've been here if you'd fill that out uh i'd love to connect with you i promise this afternoon that i won't show up at your doorstep with cookies and milk want to hang out all day uh Uh, But uh, hey, we're glad you're here. And so we welcome our first time COTR North guests. Just give them a hand, let them know you love them today. God bless you. So if you would do that for me, I would really appreciate it. So uh, uh, just don't forget to do that. Um, Numbers 13 and Joshua 1, here's where we've been. Here's where we're going. We're in the middle of a series called Heaven's Heroes, Life Lessons uh, from... Old Testament Heroes of Faith. So every uh, week, we're taking a new Old Testament Hero of the Faith and introducing them uh, here on Sunday mornings. Our children today will be talking about the same hero that we're talking about. And so, in fact, after church, you can quiz them a little bit and say, who'd you all talk about in children's church? You you may be pleasantly surprised. And so uh, so we're doing that. Uh, we have <coughs> a weekly suggested reading, we have memory verse, we have on Wednesday night, now I'm telling you, I know Wednesday nights are tough for some, your schedule, some of you don't get out of work, but I'm going to tell you, it's pretty easy uh, during this series we're in right now, because we're feeding you on Wednesday night at 6.30 to 7, and I'm telling you, last week was some pretty good grub, wasn't it, Josh? The crock pots were running, were overflowing with great food. And so about seven, seven, ten, we break up into, into, uh, life groups and discuss what you talk about on Sunday morning and what we talk about on Sunday morning. Really a great application time. How many of you have been on, into some of those and it really does kind of seal the deal for you? And so, uh, and so we, we've got that going on and, uh, and then we have a weekly life lesson. So today we're going to talk about Joshua. Last week we talked about who? Everybody say Moses. And today we're going to talk about Joshua. Josh is Moses' successor, uh, faithful servant, courageous leader. And here's the suggested Bible reading for this week. Joshua, the whole book. Just read the whole book of Joshua. Man, it's a, it's a snapshot of his life, uh, and there are other passages there, especially Numbers 13 and 14 that we're going to look at a little closer today. Uh, and so there's the suggested Bible reading this week. So just this evening when you go home, uh, just uh, instead of, uh, you know, watching the, heli- I mean, the television or whatever, uh, read Joshua. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, and I will tell you a little more about his life in just a moment and then read numbers 13 and 14. Now our memory verse for the week, we have a memory verse. Uh, and so I want you to get to get this down pretty good. Uh, and it is this Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Uh, let's all read it out loud together. This is what God spoke to Joshua when he took over the leadership responsibility from who? Moses. Everyone say Moses. And it's what God said to him, a portion of what God said to him. Read it out loud with me, really loud. Here we go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Say it again. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And everybody said, amen, amen. That's your memory verse for the week. So next week when we come back, be like uh uh Gideon and be able to say your memory verse. Uh Gideon's memory verse last, last Wednesday night was just on Romans one16 or yeah, one sixteen. Uh I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. And so next week, just be able to spit it out. Have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And everybody said, amen. So that's kind of the format, and that's that's uh, um, what uh, we're doing each week. And so with that in mind, let's just talk about Joshua a little bit today. Uh, faithful servant, courageous leader. Go to Joshua chapter 1, and let me just read this, and then I'm going to just kind of tell you a little bit about his life. Now, after the death of Moses, verse 1, here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of none. Everyone say the son of none. Someone said this one time that Joshua evidently was the only person in, in the Bible who didn't have a mother of, or a dad because he was the son of none. If you weren't looking at your Bible, you may not understand that that was a joke. Son of none, N-U-N. Moses' assistant saying... Now, how many of you think that Moses prob- uh, Joshua probably knew Moses was dead at this moment? But it says, Moses, my servant, is what? Dead. It's almost like Joshua might have been in a little denial about what was going on. Who knows? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. Everyone say, as I said to Moses. For from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Somebody say amen. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Here it is again. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Somebody say good success. Just a moment, I'm gonna give you 12 little bullet points about the life of Joshua that, that were, that caused him to be successful in life. And he says in verse nine, which we just read, uh, have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage. How many of you know, God's a God of repetition. He just repeated himself. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And I love verse 10. We may look at it again in a moment. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you to possess. And everybody said, amen. Now here's the story. You know, the story, if you go back uh, to the life of Moses, everyone say Moses, remember he, his life was broken up into three 40 year segments. The first 40 years he lived in the opulence and the elegance of where egypt he was raised in in pharaoh's court as his uh, pharaoh's uh grandson and, and and when he became forty he knew he wasn't an egyptian he long story short uh uh because of his desire to to take uh, you know he knew he was a hebrew he saw some egyptians beating up on a hebrew and he ended up killing the egyptian uh Long story short, he had to flee for the next 40 years. He lived in the wilderness uh, in the land of Midian or the Midianites uh, and ended up marrying, uh, what's his father-in-law's uh, name? Jethro. Jethro's uh, uh, da- one of his daughters and he lived there 40 years. And now when he's 80 years old, uh, the burning bush experience, remember that? God calls him to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go and and. And so that began the final 40 years of his life. That is wandering, if you will, with the children of Israel who had come out of Egyptian bondage in the wilderness for uh, 40 years. Now, it it didn't take 40 years to get from there. And you know the story. They rebelled and they were always, you know, uh, in trouble. So God had to spend 40 years letting them wander around in the wilderness so the unbelieving and unfaithful could die out And then the new could come on in. In fact, even Moses didn't go in because at one point, uh, when God said, tell the, uh, you know, the children of Israel were complaining about no water for the second time. Now, the first time God said, uh, uh, strike the rock, uh, and he did. Water came out. The second time later on, God said, speak to the rock. Well, Moses was angry, uh, and he, he didn't speak to the rock. He smoked the rock and it, uh, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And that disobedience and that misrepresentation of the nature of God <coughs> that Moses <coughs> pardon me, did there that day kept him out of the promised land. And because of that, Moses needed a successor, and that is Joshua. So Joshua comes along and takes the responsibility under the de- direction of God and the, and the favor of Moses. And he leads the children of Israel on into the promised land. And everybody go, hallelujah. And so that's the, that's the, uh, kind of long story short. And once they got across into the promised land there, how many of you know just because you get where God wants you doesn't mean there's not going to be issues. And they had to, they had to get the victory. They, Remember Jericho, marched around Jericho, and, and the walls came of what? Somebody say, tumbling down. Everybody looks at your neighbor and say, big stones still roll. Hey, and, and God brought about a great victory. And so read the book of Joshua and plug in and get involved uh, with, with his story because guess what you'll find when you read Joshua's, his, Joshua's his story? You won't just be reading history you'll ultimately be reading his story. Because in reality, as we'll learn, Joshua is an Old Testament type of Christ. Uh, In fact, his name means this. His name means the person by whom God will save, Joshua. In fact, it is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament name Jesus. You got it? Everybody say, I got it. Okay, so there's Joshua, and he's really a type of Christ. Now, we have a life lesson every week. I'm going to give you that. Usually I give it to you at the end. I'm going to give it to you right up front. Here's the life lesson I want you to catch for today. It's lengthy, but uh, it certainly uh, connects with the memory verse, and it will connect with what I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, It says this, strength and courage. Everyone say strength and courage. What did God tell Moses three times? Pardon me. What did God tell Joshua three times in the first 10 or 11 verses of Joshua. Be strong and of a what? Good courage. How many of you know to fulfill God's purposes, you need what? Strength and courage. So here we go. Strength and courage. This is today's life lesson. Strength and courage to fulfill God's purposes are not innate, innate. Stop right there. That means they're not born within us. If they were born within us, God would not have had to tell Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. How many of you know we're born with fears and doubts in our life? Are you with me? Strength and courage to fulfill God's purposes are not innate, that is, born within us. Therefore, we must live our lives in such a way so as to not allow our past, catch this, to pollute and poison our pathway towards God's promised possession. I'm going to read it again. Uh, strength and courage to fulfill God's purposes are not innate, innate. They're not born within us. We're not natural born courageous or strong. We need God's courage and God's strength. Therefore, we must live our lives in such a way so as to not allow our past to pollute and poison our pathway towards God's promised possession. Now, with that in mind, I want to give you, I'm just going to hit it fast because this is not really the crux of the message, but I'm, I read to you that God said, if you'll obey my word, uh, you'll, you'll have good success. Someone say good success. And Joshua lived a life of good success. In fact, when you read through Joshua and you read about his life, you don't find any glitches. Doesn't mean he was superhuman or supernatural. He was, he, he did, he did serve a supernatural God. It's just the Bible does not record any glitches. How many of you know David had some glitches in his life? What did he do? He committed a, a, adultery, committed murder, uh, on a God. Hey, uh, let me ask you this. How many of you in your life got a few glitches? We all got a few glitches. Look at your neighbor and say, we all got a few glitches. Uh, hey, Laura Beth, does Josh have any glitches in his life? Okay, alright. We all have a few glitches. Well, you don't really see any glitches. In fact, when I studied, the only glitch I could find that is kind of inferred rather than uh, from some, uh, some theologians is that he'd never raised up a successor after him. That that was, uh, you know, just from our natural perspective, a, a glitch in his, in his life. Uh, but and you know what? Uh, maybe God didn't want him to raise up a success. So you can't really call that a glitch. Uh, but so you read in his life, you don't see any glitches. He was successful. He was prosperous. He was blessed in his life. How many would like some of that? I'd like to get me some of that. Well, here very quickly, let me just give you, I'm going to give you a 12 point snapshot of Joshua's life. And just quickly, this is just so you'll see this. Uh his his successful life as a servant of God and a servant of the people of God. Number one, he was a submitted servant. Numbers 11, 28 talks about him being a servant. In fact, it says here in Joshua, Joshua 1 that he was Moses' servant uh, and Moses' assistant. He was a submitted servant. He was a happy camper. I got a feeling that's kind of why in Joshua 1, God had to say to him, Joshua, snap out of it. Moses is dead. It's time to step it up. I know you've been his helper all these now 40 plus years, uh, but uh, hey, it's time to step it up another notch. He was a submitted servant. Number two, he was a trusted leader. Uh, when you really see him come into play uh, under the leadership of Moses, it, it's Exodus 17. You could read Exodus two if you like. Uh, you'd get some of the Joshua. Uh, in fact, you just go to your, go to a, uh, you know, some Bible software that you have and just Google Joshua and Exodus and you'll see a few passages there. This is one of them. Uh, the Amalekites, they came quickly as they were leaving, uh, coming out of Egyptian bondage up against the Amalekites and Moses, uh, 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 chose Joshua. He said, and he told Joshua, he's a trusted. He trusted him. He says, you go find some So go find some army men, go find some mighty men and go out and defeat the Amalekites. And it says he did exactly what Moses wanted him to do. So he's a trusted leader. Number three, he was a willing warrior. That same chapter just reveals he he, he didn't have questions. And he, uh, he didn't say, now, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this army stuff. I'm here to bring you water and bread and things like that. This going out to the Amalek. No, he didn't. He was a willing warrior. Uh, number four, he was a visionary leader. In fact, Numbers 14 that we'll look at in a moment, the children of Israel came quickly up to the... Uh, to the river Jordan and they sent out spies. We'll talk about it in a moment. And you know that 12 spies went out, 10 came back going, "We can't do this." Two of them, Joshua and who? Caleb came back with a good report and 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 when we'll read that in a little bit, you'll you'll see that he saw and perceived life at a whole different level than the rest of those doubters and those uh scaredy-cats that went over and said, "There's there's giants in the land." He was a visionary leader. Number, uh, let's see. Five. He was a faithful follower. It says in Numbers 32, uh, the rep, uh, the reference to him, it was about the 10 spies and the 12 spies. It was about Joshua and, and, uh, and Caleb. It says they followed God with their whole heart. They were wholehearted in their follow, following of God. So he's a faithful follower. And then number six, he was a spirit-filled and anointed leader. Number 27. God says, and Moses is about to transition leadership, and God tells Moses, he said, you need to take Joshua. He's got the spirit on him. And you, you lay your hands on him, and you give him some of what you've got, and he's going to become your successor. Hey, I'm just telling you, when God looks at you and says, you got the spirit, brother, you got the spirit. And so, he was a spirit-filled and anointed leader. Number seven, He was a faithful intercessor. Interesting little insight about Exodus 33. God was so fed up with the children of Israel that he, (coughs) pardon me, Joshua and Moses went into the tabernacle and God basically says, you know what? I'll honor my word. You take them on into the promised land. You take them there but I'm so fed up, I'm not going. I'm going to honor my word, but I'm not going with you. And Moses and Joshua interceded with God there in the tabernacle, and God basically, I think it was ultimately a test of their leadership, God ultimately changed his mind, he said, okay, I'll go along. But what's interesting about this this, uh, example is Moses, once he they they broke through and communicated with God there in the tabernacle. He leaves, but it just says here in this verse, but Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. And it just tells you a whole lot about him. And I just call I just decided I'd call him Faithful Intercessor. He was interceding to God for the people of God. And probably as Moses was going to go back out and communicate with the people, Joshua is a good faithful servant and intercessor, stayed there and continued to pray. faithful intercessor. Everyone say faithful intercessor. And then number, oh, whatever it is, number eight, he was a courageous leader. Now, numbers 14, as we'll look at in a moment, you can start turning there. Man, it was he and Caleb and Moses and Aaron, I believe, were the four out of a gazillion who were standing up for God and standing up for the promised land. Uh, And in fact, they stood up and says, we are able. Somebody say, we are able. And and the rest of the people, it says they complained and they cried and they moaned and they feared and they and once that they they just thought God brought us out here to stone us or to kill us and so they spoke of stoning and killing Joshua and Caleb and probably Moses and Aaron as well. How I many of you know you got to be pretty courageous to stand up in the face not only of ten other spies but a whole nation of people who are thinking let's have a rock party in your honor. He was a courageous leader. And he was a listening leader. Joshua 3, it talks about him hearing God speak to him. Number 10, he was a compassionate leader. He cared about people. And without going too deep into the story, you remember Rahab there in in Jericho. She was a what? The Bible word is a harlot. And God used Rahab to help deliver the people. Interesting thing about Rahab, Rahab the harlot ended up being in the life and lineage of Jesus Christ. Did you know that read Matthew 1? And did you know not only did Rahab uh, become a part of the lineage of Christ, Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews 11 along with Abraham and, and other people of the faith as a woman of faith. How many of you know God can do anything? Now, so here's the thing about Joshua. When they were going in to possess the land, or when they were marching around Jericho, uh, uh, Joshua says to some of his leaders, you go and you make sure you take care of Rahab. And I just have to say, I don't know how that all pans out, but I want to tell you, if Joshua hadn't been a compassionate leader and he'd let Rahab and the family you know what? The life and the lineage of Jesus would have been stifled. He was a compassionate leader. Man, this guy had it going on. He was a covenant keeper. He kept his promises. He made covenants with God and he kept the covenants with God and covenants with the people of God. And then when you read on through Joshua and the last, you'll find out that he was a strong finisher, Man, he's finished well joshua twenty four he gathered everybody together, he said, "Me and my house we serve the Lord, and he just got all his affairs in order, and then he went from this line he listen uh he lived well and he left well. everybody say he lived well and he left well. He was a great finisher, so that's just a twelve i mean that's just a I just wanted you to see that he was successful. And then what possibly all the things that work together to help him be successful in his life and live a life where no apparent, you, you see no recording of a glitch. Interesting also note, as far as I can see, there's no Old Testament reference to, um, pardon me, there's no New Testament reference to him. It's like his Old Testament, uh, he was a kind of an Old Testament model of Christ. Now, let's focus on the real thing. I don't know, but you you don't find him in the New Testament. But I'm telling you, what a guy to learn from. And everybody said, amen. Now, here's the point I want you to ponder, to bring you to the thought of our life lesson. Joshua was born into Egyptian bondage. That's where he was born. And somehow he escaped, like Moses escaped, he escaped the, the decree to kill all the little babies. Evidently that had kind of passed because when, when Moses left, according to my studies, when Moses fled at the age of 40 into the wilderness, into the land of Midian to serve his future father Jethro, For 40 years, little Joshua was somewhere between two and three, maybe four years old. So when Moses is 40 plus years, Moses is 40, he flees and little Joshua is there in Egypt as a little baby raised for 40 years. Because how long, how long did Moses stay out in the wilderness with Jethro for 40 years. So, when Moses comes back under the direction of God because of the burning bush, he comes back, Joshua's 42 or 3. You get the picture. He lived in Egypt all his life. Now, here's some things to learn. Are you in number 13? I'm not. Let me go there. Here's some things I want you to see about him. He did not allow his life, his past, to predict his future. Now, there's something that I just don't... Some things you just don't know. You have to kind of hypothesize a little bit. Now, what did his mom and daddy call him? They called him... uh, It's kind of a, a, a... They called his name. It wasn't Joshua, but... Hoshia or something, which basically just meant salvation. And so that's what I want you to see about his success and, and how he was able to accomplish all he did. He didn't let his past poison pollute his person. Listen, we live in a world that just... And some of us have a, a lot of history. All he knew was, was slavery. Slavery. But here comes Moses, and here comes the decree, and, and, I, I just, you just had to have been there. All the plagues, there's Joshua going, wow. You know, the blood on the doorposts and all the firstborn of Egypt died. Joshua, wow. I'm telling you, and somewhere, <coughs> from his birth until now, somehow, he was able to protect himself and live his life in a way that Egypt didn't so poison and pollute him that he couldn't aco- accomplish God's purpose for his life. Mom and daddy had enough sense to give him a name that would help, helpfully, hopefully get him where he needed to go. Salvation. Let me tell you something. Every little Egyptian, uh, pardon me, every little Israelite boy and girl a raised in Egyptian bondage, man, uh, there was something maybe on the inside of them saying, I wonder if we'll ever get out of this. I wonder if we'll ever be saved out of this. Mom and dad. He just looked at Joshua and said, I don't know where we'll end up, but we're just praying to God. I don't know. This is all hypothesis. We're just going to call his name salvation. Now, when Moses connects with him, he changes his name to Joshua, which means the one from whom salvation comes. How many of you know Moses must have had a prophetic insight? And so somehow, some way, he didn't allow his past to poison and pollute his person, 43 years in slavery. And when he left Egypt, Egypt was not inside him. In fact, what did Paul say in Romans chapter 12 about us and about, about God? It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, somehow, so, I don't know, Joshua was able to live in Egypt, but Egypt did not live in him. And so God was able to use him dynamically throughout his life, and he was successful. And so we're, we just hypothesize how he got from point A to point B in 43 years. But he lived in Egypt, but Egypt didn't live in him. Listen, what did Jesus say? What does the Bible say? We're in the world, but we are not. And so it's an important principle that we can translate to in our lives today. Now, Numbers 13 and 14. They're coming up into the, I mean, they quickly arrive to the river and Moses sent spies, 12 spies, you know the story. And he said, just get, it's an information gathering, but it wasn't to see if they could possess the land. It was just to see how we're going to possess the land. Because how many of you know God's word already promised them that they were going to possess the land. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. And so here we go. The contrast is profound. The 12 spies come in. Let me just jump. They go for 40 days. Verse 26, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land then they told him saying we went to the land where you sent us it truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit nevertheless the people who dwell in the land are strong the citizens the cities are fortified and very large and moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there that's the giants the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south the Hittites the Jebusites and Amorites dwell in the mountains the Canaanites dwell by the sea all along the banks of the Jordan then Caleb God quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able. Everybody said we are able. We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. Now catch verse 33. And there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The 10 spies said, now you got to understand something. These people are going to devour us. And we were like grasshoppers in our side compared to them and also then in their side. How many of you know how you perceive yourself will be how others perceive you? Somehow Joshua, he didn't allow his past in Egypt to pollute his person. And number two, he didn't allow his past to to poison and pollute his perspective. Everyone say perspective. You see here a contrast of perspectives. The 10 spies, they're killers. Yeah, it's good, but you got to understand, they're all giants and they're everywhere for goodness sake. They're down by the river, they're in the mountains, they're over the hill and the dale and everywhere and they're all bigger than us and we're a bunch of grasshoppers in their sight and they're going to kill us all. We should have died in the wilderness. In fact, take us back to Egypt right now. And if you don't, we're going to kill you and we're going to all vote you out and we're going to vote us another leader. This is what they said, to get us back into Egypt where we belong. How many of you know those 10 spies let their past poison their perspective about their future? but somehow Joshua and Caleb did not allow that to happen. A perspective is a particular attitude or way of regarding something, a point of view. Everyone say point of view. The 10 said, well, let me tell you our point of view. Our point of view is you guys are gonna get us all killed. Our point of view, God lied to us. Our point of view is we had it better in Egypt. But that was not Joshua and Caleb's point of view. In fact, when you look at it, you'll realize, man, the contrast is profound. Let me just tell you some things about Joshua. He didn't let his past pollute his perspective of his problems. How many of you know the giants were a problem? Hello. How many of you, all of us have problems, there's problems. How many of you know Jericho was a problem? Uh, in, in, just a, a natural sense, it's just, here we are at the river. Uh, you know, in fact, the river's a problem. We're gonna have to deal with that. Uh, but across the river, uh, yes, there's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's giants, there's people everywhere, there's enemies everywhere. But, but Joshua didn't allow his past skew his perspective about his problem. How many of you know there's always problems in the land? And if you let your problem and your past paralyze you, you'll never arrive at the destiny of God for for your life. In fact, here's what I believe Joshua did. Man, this is just another opportunity for God to show up and show off and show out and, and, and do something wonderful. He said, you know what? If God's with us, man, this land is good. He's going to take good care of us. Read it, Numbers 13, 28 through 32. He didn't, let, he didn't let his past skew his perspective about his problems. Listen, I know there's a lot of people in this world. Here's what they do. They look at their life and go, I can't do that. Because I've just got problems. My problems are telling me This. Joshua didn't let his past skew his perspective about his future and his perspective about his problems, and Number two, he didn't we mentioned it. He didn't allow his past in Egypt pollute and poison his perspective of his own person. All those other guys were grasshoppers. I'm just a little grasshopper in my own side. I'm a grasshopper. Let me tell you something it Some of us, and maybe a lot of us on some level, have allowed our past to define us. And we think, because this happened to me, because this was what was going on in my life, this is the way I am, and I'll never be what God wants me to be. I'll never get where God wants me to go, because my past told me I was this. Not Joshua. Salvation. Victory. He didn't allow his past to pollute his perspective of his person or his problems or even his perspective of his predecessor, who was Moses. You know what a lot of people do when they get in a mess? They start blaming the boss. They start blaming their leaders. Nothing much different today, right? Come on, are you with me? Are you all with me? Say Amen. And that's what they did, man. They In chapter 14, the children uh, lifted up their voices and cried and they wept all night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness and why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? We're just a bunch of victims. God forbid that people of God live with a victim mentality and a mindset. I'll never be this because mama did me wrong, daddy did me wrong, and my mama and my daddy and the boss and the president and everybody else did me wrong. Therefore, I can't get where I'm just going to go back to Egypt. Not Joshua. He honored the leadership. He didn't get a skewed perspective. Just because things didn't go the way that he thought or anybody thought they should go, he didn't automatically throw Moses under the bus. He didn't let his past in Egypt skew and pollute his perspective about his problems, his person, his predecessor, or even his perspective of his God. These people thought God had done them wrong. There's a lot of people feel that way in the world today. God must really have a sense of humor. Give me this name. Give me this word. They said, why has the Lord brought us out here to the land to fall by the sword? They're blaming God. Not Joshua. He said this. He spoke to the children of Israel, verse 7. The land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And then number five, he, he didn't allow his past to skew his perspective of his God's power. And when he saw the children of Israel, when Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb saw the children of Israel rising up in rebellious, loud rejection of their leadership, Moses and Aaron fell on their face. And Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, they tore their clothes. Why did they tear their clothes? That's a symbol. In fact, when you in the scripture, when they tore their clothes, it's a sign of grief and sorrow, kind of one of repentance in hopes of staying the potential judgment that they felt was about to happen. In other words, Joshua knew if you, pardon me, in my vernacular, start hacking the Lord off in this Old Testament place, the Lord just might show up with fury. In fact, it says a few verses later that God said, get out of the way. I'm just going to kill them all and we'll start over brand new. These people have gone way too far. And, and I, and so let me tell you something. Joshua knew where you can and cannot go with God. And he, he did not have a skewed perspective of the power and the authority of God. He tore his clothes in behalf of all. All the people because he knew o m g God's a God of power and authority, somehow, Joshua, in the middle of all his Egyptian upbringing, he didn't allow his past in Egypt to poison and pollute his person, he didn't allow his past to poison and pollute his perspective, and I love number three, and I'll close. he didn't allow his past in Egypt. To poison and pollute his promised pilgrimage, he had an eternal perspective. he knew he was on a journey that he was not just hanging out in the wilderness or in the desert. He knew that God's plan all along was get him and them into the promised land. the other one the other uh, Israelites didn't have that. They, they got, they were raised in Egypt as well, but Egypt got inside them and all they could do is think about Egypt. They could not get a picture and a perspective of the promised land and God's promises in their life. Joshua held on to the promises of God and he didn't let his Egypt keep him out of his promised land. He went in and possessed the land. Amen. And that's love. And, and that's why I love Joshua 110. When God said, be strong and of a good courage, be strong and of a good courage, be strong and of a good courage, he gets up. And he commands all the people, get up, let's go, pack your bags. Glory to God, we've been in this wilderness way too long. Forty years we've been hanging around for your old man and your old, your your your, your pardon me, your mom and your daddy to die out so we could go on into this promised land. Let's get up and go because in three days, that's kind of symbolic, three days we're going to cross over and we're going to move into the promised possession that God has for us. Whoo! He was dreaming. In fact, uh, the Scripture says in, about the heroes of the faith, though they didn't taste eternity, they believed that they would one day see eternity. And Joshua had a vision of the promises of God before he ever... He saw it, listen to me, he saw it before he ever saw it. Are you with me? He didn't let his past rob him of his identity, his person. He didn't let his past skew his perspectives, his point of view about God and the, where he was. He didn't allow his past to poison and pollute his promised pilgrimage. In fact, I love what David said. I'm going to close. David said in Psalm 84 verse 5, he said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart, <coughs> me, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The children of Israel's heart was not set on pilgrimage. They were ready to just go back and stay. In fact, did you know some of the people didn't ever cross into the uh, promised land? They stayed on the wrong side of the river? What were they thinking? Especially when the river parted. They walked over on dry land. Joshua's heart was set on pilgrimage. And he arrived. It says in the latter part of Joshua, verse 21, the Lord gave them rest all around. I'm telling you something. We can learn something from Joshua. What's the life lesson? Let's go back to it. Look at this life lesson right here. Strength and courage to fulfill God's purposes are not innate. They're not born on the inside of us. Therefore, We must live our lives in such a way so as to not allow our past to pollute and poison our pathway towards God's promised possession. Is your heart set on pilgrimage? Are you looking for your next steps? Are you always looking back? Always doubting God and letting your past dictate who you are and where you go and what you do. Let's stand together. As we stand together today, you ask Jacob, Jacob, go get ready. We're going to baptize you in a second. Father, I pray today that we could learn this life lesson from Joshua. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that however we do it, however it happens, Lord, let us be strong and have a good courage and refuse the influence of Egypt and embrace your identity for our life and obey your word for our life as Joshua obeyed. Lord, we thank you for it today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If some of you are battling negative perspectives about yourself and about your life because of your past, God wants to bring great deliverance. In fact, the Bible says this, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, God says, I'll do a new thing. If you're here today and you're struggling with something that keeps you bound up in your Egyptian way of thinking an Egyptian God, the, the the mindset of Egypt has been instilled within you. God wants to help you, just like Paul said, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to wash our minds and our thoughts and our perspectives and help us get not out of Egypt but Egypt out of us. With every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you you say pastor that's me you got me I'm busted I keep looking back and it keeps me from arriving at where God would have me to be. If that's you today wherever you are just lift your hand we're going to pray for you right where you are God bless you God bless you God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. I keep looking back. My past has got me all tangled up. Let's learn from Joshua. You can put your hands down. Father, today, we pray right now that you would wash our brains with the Word of God. And Lord, we thank you that though we have lived in the world, we thank you that we are not of the world. And we just let you renew our mind where we can think the way you would have us to think. And Lord, we cast down, I want everyone here just to see this in your spirit, we cast down the stinking thinking of our past that has tried to lord over us to keep us from arriving into the promised possession that you have for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm just not even sure that I'm born again. I want to make it to heaven, but I'm just not sure I'm on my way there. I just need to know that I know that I know him. I need to know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I need assurance of my eternity. If that's you right where you are, wherever you are, just lift your hand. Say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to know that I know that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Just lift your hand wherever you are. If you're here today and you can put your hands down. If you're here today and you know you belong to Christ, but you know you need to get back on track with him, just lift your hand I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Amen. Father, you see these hands today. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Lord, bringing about much fruit in our lives and directing our paths in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.